12 questions. Hi. Hi. Great to be here. It's so good to have you here. I know I had to cancel on you this week because I had the weird, I don't know what happened. I just, you ever wake up in the, it was like classic, like you wake up at three in the morning and you're like, like, Mm. oh no. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, this is my night. I either eat something like, I'm going to cancel my plans. (laughs) Oh yeah. The whole morning I was just like canceling plans left and right. I was like, I'm sorry. It's a good thing I work from home. I just sat in front of my computer in a bathrobe just being like, Oh, God. <laughs> oh. oh, hi. Thank you for calling. Um, <laughs> anyway, how would you like to identify yourself today? Uh, my name is Panina Beattie. Yay. That's my name. Full name. Any relation to Melody Beattie? Are you aware of that right Not that I know of. Beattie is actually a made up last name. Oh. Because um, my grandfather tried to get into medical school and there were quotas for the Jews. Oh. And Bedzovsky is very, it's just like, it's everything. It's everything. It's yeah. All, it's, it's all those syllables and consonants. It's so, <laughs> and I'm so glad, honestly, I'm so glad we, we didn't stick with Bedzovsky because it's a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot. BD, BD's totally fine. Yeah. That's a, that's faster to write on a check. If you were to write an old, t- if you were to pay a bill in an old timey manner. Yes. <laughs> so we're probably not related. Um, cause there's, a small lineage yeah. from my grandfather, but um, yeah, it's a uh, it's hard to spell actually, it's, or it's hard to pronounce. There's just one e at the end. Okay, people are like Panina bead bead. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's fine. I'm not gonna get at a get up at a mic and be like, actually, it's beady. Yeah, because then I get through Panina and they're like, all right, we got it. Oh shit! <laughs> so and I met you at a mic the other day. Yes, and I think they got your name right. He the did. First time. Yes, I was impressed. Yeah, he's like we'll be friends. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, he's a nice guy from San Francisco as yeah. well. So I think that's the, the the. I think the guys up there are like. And the ladies are like good at getting names right and like mm-hmm. respecting people's like in LA. Yeah. A guy called me Anna Rodriguez for two years and I was like, sure. Yeah. Can you try? I sneezed right on him. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Hello. It's Saturday morning. It's comedy three o'clock in the morning. It's 10 a.m. Yes. We're that's doing it. Accurate. And we got this beautiful conversation when we met the other night and I just was like, oh, I got to interview you. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, um, I enjoy spilling my guts to people who want to hear it. Great. This is a spill your oh, guts. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah I actually, here. I looked at the questions and I like wrote out answers because I was like, oh. I want to think about this. Yeah. Aww. I was excited. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> well, let's get into it. I didn't bring have, my notes though. You have a, I, a, you're like, I'm off book. Yeah. yeah. To I'm go. off the cuff. That's the way to do it. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> the way to do it. What is your, um, so we had this like cool conversation about, um, just kind of like your life and like mm-hmm. all the like tell 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 the listeners a little bit about about yourself. Yeah. Um. So, my name is Panina Beatty. Yeah, uh, we're there. Name <laughs> right. Got um, it. So, I come from a very Jewish household. Okay. Um. I don't like the word religious. Um. But my mother is a rabbi. Um. Which is a an interesting life changing you know life altering yeah. thing. Um. And a lot of the rest of my life has obviously been influenced by that. Yeah. Um, and so, right. My mother is a rabbi and then I went to Jewish day schools through the end of high school. Yeah. And I like, didn't really even know other Jewish or non-Jewish people until I, until, so after high school, I went on a gap year to Israel. Okay. Um, and then like you do like one, it, it is like you do. Yeah. Like that's (laughs) not uncommon. Uh, (laughs) and, um, 
And then while I was there, um, I was like so happy and like just carefree. Probably a, a big reason was because like back home, you know, there's a h- incredible pressure to be what everyone expects you to be in this right. tiny Jewish community community right which and my mother is always like bless her heart she's always been incredibly supportive like not the stereotypical like overbearing yeah jewish mother she's like just just don't you know like don't be don't take care of yourself like don't don't do anything you know not don't do anything i wouldn't do because i do a lot that she wouldn't do but she's like you know i'm here for, you're very supportive is my point yeah um anyway so I, I loved, I was so happy there. Probably a little bit of that turns out was like some mania. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> preview. I'm doing good. Right. Ah! Exactly. I'm so happy right now. Um, and then I met this guy who was just like, you know, first love and yeah. love makes you crazy. Uh-huh. And so we started and he's like this Israeli soldier, which was like so cool. Um, yeah. And then we started dating and I decided to stay uh, and I joined the Israeli military, um, served for two years and we broke up. And then I actually received about a month or two later, I received like a an early discharge for mental health reasons. Oh. Um, which was just, it was just a great time in my life. No, yeah. it was, it was, um, it was definitely like, there were a lot of factors. I mean, I, this relationship had become incredibly, uh, verbally abusive and he was, he was physically abusive with his sister sometimes. Like they would tussle. I mean, she was like a teenager and, you know, sometimes, brothers and sisters will will get into it but it was it made me very uncomfortable over and i was line. like yeah it was over the line like i was really i was very concerned and he was like treating me very poorly and he had really bad ptsd um should we just i mean i i can go into yeah. like like um he had terrible ptsd which oftentimes if you live with someone who's experienced a trauma like so he was a sniper in the military oh, Jesus. yeah so he like he was like soldier 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 like soldier was, soldier right was, like, i was like it. a desk jockey but he was like full wow. on he like so there was an operation in in gaza the like like three months before i i enlisted yeah. and he was in and he basically his job was he was in gaza with one other person with a scout the two of them would go in and basic at like after curfew. And this is something that I politically, I really, I've all of my experience in Israel, like I've really had to grapple with that politically and like how I feel about that. But that's besides, I just want to yeah. say, cause a lot of people assume my politics, but it's no, it's more so, complicated it's than that. So yeah. yeah. So, but he would go in ahead of the tanks cause he was in a tank unit Eesh. and he would basically, and it was after curfew. So he would just like snipe people that were out after curfew. Jesus. Yeah. So that was shitty. Yeah. Um, and he, he's Russian Israeli, which is like two of the most like no feelings, um, <laughs> cultures. <laughs> right. And so 
you know, I mean, I had been seeing a therapist for like since I was 16 and been on antidepressants, which, by the way, if you have bipolar, not a good thing to be on. Oh, okay. Yeah, it makes it worse because it's too much serotonin. Serotonin, exactly. You need stabilizing. Ah. Um, And yeah, so he was really, he was like, had so many issues that like we would go to see movies and he would break down and like it was really was really there and there was one night in particular where I was just like I give up because he's not going to change like he's not going to do anything about it so we had a dog uh <laughs> yeah okay. we were in it we were You're, living that together. is that is in it I you know I mean I just had no understanding of like we what's were- gonna be you were so young, I was so too. young. And yeah. when you're young, you're just like, okay, and then I do this thing, yeah. and then this thing, and then it's all happily ever after. Am right. I happy yet? And you're like, no, that's the no. life on life's terms is yeah, different. Exactly. And I per- personally, and this is something we, that especially with, I, I've used 12 steps for like love and, and sex and things yeah. like that. Um, and so that's something that I have a lot of hangups with, like in terms of, oh my God, someone likes me or someone loves me. So like, I'm in it, you know, so yeah. I'm just going to die. I'll in. just abandon my personality. Right. What do you need? Me and to then be? they're like, what right the here. Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm working on that. But, um, so there was this night, um, we had a dog and it was middle of the night and the, the dog who I brought back to America with yeah. me, um, was barking and we woke up and he got up like presumably to probably take her on a walk or like, tend to her and I was like cool I'm half asleep and then instead of like leaving the room he like went around to our safe because he was working this is after he was discharged and he was working as an armed guard cool yeah great so we like casually had a gun in the house yeah Um, so he and he's he unlocks the safe and he takes it out and he like cocks it and starts to leave and I was like called his name and he like snapped out of it. He was sleepwalking. Oh, God. And he thought that there was an intruder in the house. And yeah, like, I, I mean, I remember this vividly. And like, I remember just sitting on the edge, of, like he was sitting on the edge of the bed and I was sitting like in my corner of my bed or of our bed. And I was just like, I got to be up for the army in the morning. And we've already had these conversations about, like that you need to deal with it and you're not going to, so I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Um, and then it took like, you know, three more months before I was like, oh, this is really, I need to get out. <laughs> yeah, this is a surrender moment is what that is. Yeah. You're just like, I'm, we've, I've done all I can do. Yeah, no, totally. That's incredible. So how do you, like in terms of, like that's a good example, but how would you like verbalize how you experience surrender? Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm so, for a long time, I mean, now obviously, like, this is something that, all of these things are things that are ideal and, like, you strive for every yeah. day. Yeah. And so, for me, I think it's about accepting that not everything's under my control, mm-hmm. including some characteristics about me that I, I work on, but yeah. sometimes, you know, it gets out and sometimes, and that's yeah. okay, you know? Yeah, so. I have an anxiety disorder and mm-hmm. panic and I will, 
uh, occasionally have moments. I had a moment recently where I was mentally in the right place and I was excited and doing great. Mm -hmm. And my body just went tigers in the room. And that's, that's just what happens is occasionally your brain and your body goes, there's tigers in the room Mm -hmm. run. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm learning now to accept that because there's a part of me that's like, I can control it. I can Mm -hmm. do this. I can. And it's like, just sort of surrendering to the fact that sometimes your brain chemistry is just like, woo, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, so creeps up on you. Yeah. I feel that. And then you're like, what the hell, man? Like, I thought I was doing well, you know? Yeah. yeah. And you're like, I thought, and then, and then you go through that whole like shame thing of like, what's wrong with me? And it's mm-hmm. like, no, nothing's wrong with yeah. everybody. Yeah. This and is exactly. the human condition. And that's, yeah. And that's why, so it's kind of the surrender of it is, knowing that that's there's nothing wrong with you you know there's there's something that you're dealing with and that's okay yeah Mm -hmm. if i was born 100 years ago i'd be like the most vigilant person on the prairie i'd be like (laughs) i'd be killing it you know what i mean literally (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing great (laughs) what um what is i mean that's such an insane moment like what would you say has been like and it could be insane good insane bad like what's what's been your like insane most insane moment in this process of like your recovery with all that because i assume you like came back and you yeah. were like hold yeah. on i gotta look at some things oh, oh well so one of the really cha- challenging i keep like getting a little choked up you're but i'm like fine you're fine do you want some um, water that would be here wonderful. you tell that story i'm right. gonna get you some okay. water <laughs> <laughs> all right so one of the things about my experience was that I, my Hebrew is good, but it's not like, it's not um, on the level of someone who was born in Israel, who was speaking from, from childhood, from babyhood. Uh, um, And so I, in the army, like I didn't really have the language to sound intelligent, let alone, to be funny. Right. And so, and people and Israelis are, you know, they're like, they're not, they're, they're, they're not, um, nice. <laughs> like they're, and, and if they're like is, a ball busting culture, Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, what I'm asshole. I'm asshole. Like this is, right. this is how I am. Like right. they're, they're not, they're not, they're unabashedly, um, ball busting. Exactly. So they would like make fun of me about yeah. like my poor grammar and like whatever. And, it was to the point where, and I was in this terrible relationship and my self-esteem just had never been lower. And I like became a quiet person. Like, yeah. And, and in the moment during my time, I was kind of like, well, this sucks, but it's kind of interesting. Cause I've never been that. Um, so huh. I was kind of like, well, experiencing a different side of yourself. Right. Interesting. Right. And, the aftermath was coming home and number that whole first year was really just regaining my self-esteem. Cause I was like, I, it was not even zero. It was like negatives. And yeah, I, I don't think that I will ever be that low ever again. Like it would be, it would have to be something I don't like to think never, but yeah, but it was just, I like think about music that I was listening to then. And I'm like, damn, I was really depressed. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> just a lot of Del like Ray on a loop. <laughs> a lot of like depressing Beatles songs. Oh, the sad Beatles <laughs> yeah. songs. Like sad, sad boys from the sixties. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that's great. My experience has been if it's any if it's like any consolation from like my big like when I first got clean mm-hmm. is my my self esteem has never been that low again. It's been low. But mm-hmm. it's never been that low right. again, and because I I know how low it can go, mm-hmm. I know what to do, and like yeah. when the moment is of like, oh shit, I gotta get into action and mm-hmm. like take care of this. Yeah. So it's like once you've crossed into that world, you can't you you can't forget the lessons that you've learned, which yeah. is really good, right? And yeah, and that's <laughs> that's like a little bit my goal for twenty nineteen is just it's like such a vague thing, but like focus on staying like being stable because so okay to continue this isn't a moment really but just the aftermath so I was it took me a year and I was like no no I I wasn't like depressed like sad because of because I was sad I was like no no I'm allowed to feel to on to work on unpacking some of this shit and literally unpacking but (laughs) I love it (laughs) um I made that joke then and uh it's still stupid. Uh, it's still good. It's yeah. great in the context of this podcast. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. They actually <laughs> lost one of my suitcases when I came back. No. No. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I don't need, I don't need any like Seriously. material uh, items. And then after like two months, they, they were like, it got mailed back. And oh. I was like, God damn it. I had like released <laughs> right yeah and i thought they were going to give me money so i could buy new clothing so that was cool oh, but that's fun. they found it <laughs> yeah they found it but um anyway but so yeah i got home and i was that first year was just like rebuilding and yeah. like i took an improv class um which i was it was just it was too it was terrible because i was so depressed and like low self-esteem and I don't know though, because clinically, okay, so in trauma recovery, mm-hmm. one of the things that like there's this really incredible book called The Body Keeps Score. It's amazing. You told me about that. Yeah. yeah. And in trauma recovery, one <clears throat> of the things he recommends is experiencing play. Mm-hmm. And um improv is one of the things he brings up. He would like It was fun, but yeah. I've revisited improv and I'm so much better at it now because yeah. my self-esteem is so much is higher yeah um but yeah so I like I took an improv class and I liked it yeah but I wasn't like super into it and then in the spring of that year I went to an open mic and I tried stand-up and I was like oh shit like this is it this is the thing and that started the new high, <laughs> like the, right. the next mania. Yeah, Cause yeah, I was yeah. like, I found my thing, you know? Uh, and then that, the whole, this past year, like 20, 2017, 2018, like that school year basically. Yeah. Was just manic mania, like doing things that, doing things to other people without meaning to, that was like, that was careless and hurtful. And, sleeping with people that were bad for me and that were mean to me mm-hmm. and just like a lot of, yeah, just like a lot of really destructive things that like, and I was running on fumes by the end of that year. Like I yeah. had taken, I was taking like six classes and it was just oh, like, wow. yeah. Cause, cause I was, I literally had the energy for it. But by the end of that year, I was like, it was too much. And, and it must be so confusing to like, because there is a, 
first year of comedy sort of intensity. Oh yeah. It feels a lot like mania, but it, or at least what it's what I've, I've never experienced mania, but what's described that way. So it must've been like with that. Uh, how, how so for you? Because I've only experienced it with. So <clears throat> sort of like that endless amount of energy. Cause you're fascinated and obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah. all you can think about. And so that endless amount of energy, like I would work my nine to five job and then like go to like two, right. three open mics a night and then fall down in a heap and then, mm-hmm. you know, wake up and do it all over again and yeah. like fall asleep at my oh, desk yeah. and like, it all... was a, yeah, it was an addiction. Yeah. It's like a full addiction. And yeah. maybe it just went into like the addiction center of your brain or something. Totally, and then totally. combined with the media just got like too woo. And then yeah. like socially things are always awkward with comedians because they're very sensitive. Right. And you're trying to, I, my experience was, is I tried to fit in rather than to seek acceptance. Mm-hmm. And when I'm trying to fit in, I'm usually behaving in ways that are not, um, great and will lead to like greater character defects in me, like being, you know, not kind sometimes or mm-hmm. like spilling secrets or like doing something that, I have to make an amends for later. Right. Yeah. That's definitely. Yeah. And I, I, part of the mania was like, for me, I mean, it's, it actually, it manifests differently in different people, obviously. And, uh, so I can only speak for myself, but for me, a lot of it was like self-control of like, just, you don't have to tell everyone everything about like your dating life that you're hooking up with a comedian, for example. Oh yeah. And, I couldn't keep that a seat. Like I couldn't be, whereas now I'm like, wait, I can, I can be um, discreet about things, you know, like I don't have to, I, I don't have yeah. to make everything out in the open Yeah. where I still have that thing where I'm very open, but it's, I'm able to protect that, that part where I'm like, people don't need to know this about me. Um, yeah. And I then have, I had trouble with that too. I love yeah. to like spill my own secrets. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I mean, and that blew up in my face because yeah, then I, does. I became the topic of conversation and there was a guy that like did something creepy to me because he knew that I, uh-huh. yeah, um, and it was shitty and like, so I'm still like dealing with the aftermath of that um, in that in the scene that I'm in and other other things not not related to that because I because again like that I was gonna have to make amends for afterwards yeah and yeah and a lot of people are just like done with me and sucks you know I don't know if that's a permanent fixed state I don't either I don't think so I think that and it's probably one of the things I've really had to accept is that the things that I think about and the things that bother me and the things that I'm ashamed of people have to get through the noise of their own shame before they can even start to look on the outside. Mm. So I just, I mean, I wouldn't fixate on, I, it gets easy. It gets easy to think like, Oh, I've ruined everything. Yeah. I wouldn't fixate on that. I don't think that's, yeah. I, I had that for, so after this year, after all of that went down, which was like, I think like the bulk of it was like May, June-ish. Yeah. The drama, if you will. Yeah. And then... And if you come from any trauma, the drama of comedy can be very seductive. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) It can be... 
crazy seductive. <laughs> it's very, it's very high school. It's very like yeah. the reason why Big Mouth is such a good show is because we're all still living it. Yeah, <laughs> all the writers are probably Dear experiencing Lord, yeah. it in real time. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but uh, I forgot. Oh, well, I think it is true to an extent, and I think there are a lot of people who are like giving me a wide berth and aren't booking me, but they don't have any like negative feelings they're just like she needs some space i guess yeah whereas there are some people who i'm like you have you have your own issue and you're never going to forgive me and i'm okay with that because i know that you have to deal with your shit and you're and there are some people who you know you reach an age where i'm like they're not they're not going to change that's how they are and that's yeah too bad for them you know um but you know, I, I mean, I have my group, I have my friends and I have, yeah. I have other, there's, there are adjacent scenes to where I am, which yeah. I'm going to keep that part anonymous, but yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. I'm, I'm getting over it and I'm, I'm accepting that that's all that when all that happened. And yeah. so <laughs> at the same time that the really bulk of the drama was happening, yeah. I had, cr- right. I crashed after that semester, that spring semester and I, for like a month, was just not, I couldn't do anything. Like I, my mom, my mom was like, you have to get a job. We're like in, right. She's been very, right. she's only ever been very supportive, but she was like, dude, like get your shit together. You need to get a job, which I was planning on doing, but I just couldn't. And this is where it's like, you discover like the, the diagnosis part of it. Cause it's like the high highs, but yeah. the low, low, low. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, right. And I was, and then, so I looked into some programs and yeah. there was an intensive outpatient program at like nice. a local, um, facility, mental health facility. So I did that discovered that I have trauma and bipolar, which turns out one makes the other worse. Yeah. They make each other worse. Um, it's a fun combo pack yes, <laughs> of yes. the human experience. <laughs> so good. But um, yeah, so that was like seven weeks that I was in that. Um, and the, like the week later, I had to start school again. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a really like, it was, it was an interesting program bec- for a lot of reasons. But <laughs> it was very like, there were a lot of people that were like, we're the popular group. Like we're were the cool ones the cool kids in the mental hospital yeah Ooh. and i yeah and they thought i was cool because i do comedy i worked in drug and alcohol treatment i've seen it right yeah. it, was, <laughs> it was very clicky yeah like a summer camp basically yeah. it was a summer camp in a lot of ways because they yeah. were like all right we're gonna have art therapy and then trauma therapy group <laughs> i am so glad that you see it that way because i used to just be like people would be like what's your job like and i was like it's kind of like babysitting or like working in a summer camp yeah. there's like a personal trainer that comes out we go to yoga group you go to like yeah you go to art therapy you yeah go to like- i made that i made so many jokes to my caseworker and she'd be like panina stop like yeah <laughs> whereas all the other patients would like be laughing and like oh she's so funny and she my caseworker's like stop deflecting with stop. humor exactly 100 <laughs> percent um <laughs> but uh yeah they were like and they included me in the cool click. And I was like, you guys suck. I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> oh, which only makes you cooler. Right? I know. Exactly. Yeah. And I was just like really sullen all the time because oh, I was like man. trying to deal with shit. Living your girl interrupted real. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, I was sleeping at home, but 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I would come in and I would just slump on the couch and be like, I'm, 
I'm sad, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm dealing with shit. And, uh, yeah. So after that, I mean, I've like one friend from that program, which is great. That's nice. all you need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That I've kept in touch with. Um, and yeah. And so after that now I'm on mood stabilizers, which is great. Uh, are you familiar with Stephen Brody Stevens? No. Okay. He's a comedian here in LA. Okay. I want you to go to the comedy store if he's there and I want you to see him do stand up because every comedian in LA has an impression of him, which is like, <laughs> yes, 818 till I die. Uh, and then he'll say, I'm on Lamictal. It's a mood stabilizer. That's what I'm <laughs> I've been Wait, wanting to I say that this that? whole time. That's so funny. I'm a mood McDonald. It's a mood stabilizer. <laughs> That's what a lot of people are on because there's not a lot of side effects. But my doctor, when I when she prescribed me it, she was like, "Yeah, I like this because it doesn't have a lot of side effects, except for um, if you stop taking it and start again, um, you might develop a fatal skin disease." Jesus, I know. And I was like, <laughs> "Is leprosy still a thing? It's not. It's a. No. It's its own disease. So I'm taking it every day." Yeah, I've actually for anxiety, they've put me because anxiety is one of those like gray area things where they're mm -hmm. like, what do we put you on? Yeah. And the best thing that they make for that is Paxil, which gives me terrible night terrors. Um, Lovely. So in my sort of like mental <laughs> health, like, you don't have anxiety during the day, but <laughs> we saved it all up for when you're asleep. You want to dream about possession? <laughs> and you're like, what? Oh my God. How many times a night? Every time you close your eyes. Cool. We're here. Is it's it like sleep paralysis? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, like seven, eight times a night. It was really, really bad. And yeah. so, because I've, I've, my mental health, like recovery and trauma recovery has been like, you know, on, on and off ongoing. I'm one of those people that can uh, get stable off of meds and, mm -hmm. the, you know, take meds for a little while and then mm -hmm. yeah. stabilize. And then they're like, okay, we're good. And then, like, I've been able to do that, yeah. which isn't, I, my new doctor is like, you don't have to do that, you know? And I'm like, no, but I mean, you don't have to not lean on it yeah exactly and so um yeah i've been on lamictal before and there isn't a lot of side effects it's pretty great yeah except for yeah if you have that um oh, i didn't get that from the lamictal that was oh, from Paxil. Oh, they right, put me right. on lamictal after that because they were like well here's a mood stabilizer hopefully that'll help and mm -hmm. i was like sure sure yeah let's sure. give it a try that's yeah. people have such mi misconceptions about medication and mental health yeah medication i guess also because they only think of oh well i took prozac and that didn't work and it's like maybe you have another issue you know maybe well and there's multiple medicate you don't know what's you gotta try them it's you don't walk into the shoe store and look at one pair of shoes and go that's the one yeah. i do not care that it's a size six stiletto i'm gonna go run track in that yeah you don't it might not be the shoe for you right and it's sort of the same thing with mental health stuff you got to see what your brain chemistry reacts to mm -hmm. yeah i i have i told a comedian that i like a friend of mine mm -hmm. someone who is a friend of mine but is all you know i've i'm friendly with people who are toxic in their own way and i'm like well we can still be friends but i can't we're not that good of friends yeah, but you gotta i told practice him those boundaries uh -huh, exactly yeah. but i told him and he was like don't do it. It'll change who you are and you won't be funny anymore. And I was Whoa. like, dude, you don't, you think that if you are health, if you are mentally well or working on it, then you're not funny anymore. Like that's sad to me that you think that yeah. it's very like sad boy mentality. Yes. I guess. Like a tortured artist thing. And it's like, if you, you'll always, you'll still always have that trauma or have that thing that got you into comedy. Yeah. And if you're working on it, that I think that'll make it better. It, you only get 
I wish now I understand why the internet has developed the clap hands tweet. <laughs> you know the, the clap clap. Yeah. Here's the deal. You're the stuff. The clap clap. It the stuff that you are carrying around. That's the the trauma, the mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. It actually gets in the way of writing mm-hmm. jokes. Yeah. It's very difficult to write jokes when you're have a tigers in the room mentality because your brain for this has been my experience my brain when i'm in a peak anxiety is that it i can't all i can worry about is my maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. and nowhere in there is jokes it's just like food water shelter am i okay you know Mm -hmm. so there's no space in your brain to be creative if you're drowning in you know yeah. mental health problems yeah. that's just well and that's what causes some comedians to get up and be like well i'm sad like i'm gonna you know i'm not gonna tell any jokes today i'm just gonna be sad and what we're a boring all gonna, set i know and we're all gonna <laughs> indulge because we're all sad in our own way so we know and it's like oh stop it our field does have a a high rate of um enabling yeah oh yeah yeah there's a lot of that. i that's what was my first year was also i was like i can tell people things also because they're also having their own shit and they won't judge yeah. me, but everyone will but judge for, for a certain segment of our population. And maybe the comorbidity of like being a comedian and like having mental health issues is maybe a little bit higher. We don't mm-hmm. know. What if there was a study? There should be, there should be a study. It would be All right. Let's, let's uh, get let's our PhDs. I, and then- <laughs> I have a friend who's probably going to end up with, she has her master's. She's probably going to end up in research with a PhD. I will get her Do on it. it. She cool. like it is. I I wonder if, they, yeah. What was I gonna say? The enabling thing. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if, yeah. I don't. I lost my train of thought. If it's higher. If it's higher. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely is. But I think with the enabling, we we develop a culture of enabling. Oh yes, yeah, yeah definitely. And that isn't. People can get a little strange when it when you start deviating from that and start being like, no man, like come up here and do a set yeah like if you need a therapist get a therapist right and people (laughs) use it people use comedy and comedy only to deal with their issues and like i and i'm sure you like we use comedy to process yeah our issues but I, i don't i do that after seeing my therapist and talking to my friends and doing some pondering of my own you yeah. know and and some some things take longer like i have some funny stories from the army that i've told on stage but that i've stopped because it's too it's still like a little too much we talked about that yeah, yeah you'll be able to i have a funny story about meeting somebody from israel yeah we've got we've got plain noise we've oh, got everything yes. going on in this podcast we're doing it um or helicopter. I don't know. This isn't a great neighborhood. <laughs> it's fine. This is Los Angeles. This is Los Angeles. Anything can happen. Every two blocks is a new place. Um, That's true. It's very true. There's, I was, uh, I went bungee jumping. So I had, I reached like a weird point and I went through a breakup and my friend, mm. she was like, let's go bungee jumping. I was like, all right. So there's a bungee jumping place out here in uh, Los Angeles. You hike to the bridge to nowhere, which is five miles. Right. And so we get there and there's like a whole group of people. And in this group is this lovely 
little like firecracker of a lady with a thick <laughs> Israeli accent. Oh, nice. And so she's just like, and she, she pulls We're we're hiking. So it's this like miserable hot hike. And you're just like hiking up to this bridge to go jump off of it. And she goes, this was a surprise on a date. And I was like, Oh, she goes, yes, this is a surprise on a date. I was in the Israeli army for two years and I never want to just go on a hike. I never want to just go on a hike. Mm. And I have my period. And she was so <laughs> mad. I'm imagining it with the accent too. Just Yeah. She was like, I, and I didn't have the heart to tell her. Her shorts were really short. You could totally see the string. Like the whole time, like, <laughs> she, like I figured she might have just thrown me into the river at that point. Like she was just so funny. She was like, no. She was like, no. I am. I hate this. Yeah, she hated yeah. this poor they, guy. They, are on the, it, they wear it on their sleeves. If yeah, at, if they are mad at you, they will tell you. <laughs> this poor guy thought he was killing it in the date game. I was like, "How did you guys meet?" She was like, "J dates, never again." <laughs> she never was again. so mad. She was so mad. Oh my it was god, the best. It was like the funniest thing to watch. Yeah, for five miles of <laughs> walking, just like wow. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, they're quick to anger. It's interesting too because they're. They're quick to anger, but it's like not a big deal. They're not like, they're not like, oh, I hate you. Which whereas in America, like if I'm angry, ghosted, dead to me, blocked. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no. I, if I'm angry, literally, if I'm angry, then you must have done something really, really shitty. Right. And that's a, an American thing. And people, Israelis will look at it and be like, oh, that's so fake. And I'm like, no, you guys have an anger issue because you're all dealing with trauma from just like living in Israel. Yeah, <laughs> just, we're in a war zone. What else? I mean, I mean in, in high school, they spend a whole year just like learning the intimate details of like World War II and the Holocaust. So even that will like, Oof. yeah, I mean, it's I mean, I took a semester in high school because I went to a very yeah. religious high school. And I was like, this is propaganda. OK, you know, it was like, well, the first semester was was holocaust second semester was like israeli history and it was very like it was very like we're gonna show the good sides and we're gonna give you the arguments and counter arguments for like why why people criticize israel so i know the arguments and counter arguments and the counter counter arguments because i've experienced all of that yeah and it's so but this is just an aside it's so interesting when i'm talking to a more traditionally pro-Israel person. Which, okay. Like the right wing, right wing people have co-opted pro-Israel. Yeah. Um, Weird, right? So frustrating. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I mean, I live in America and I hate a, a bunch of things that America does and I hate a bunch of things that Israel does. Yeah. But the people there are amazing and like, right. you know, you can't get over the borderline apartheid, but it's just, it's complicated. It's complicated. Obviously. It's going to take a long time to unravel if people if want ever. to even want to unravel. Not it. in this generation. Not in this generation of leaders, I believe. But so when I'm talking to someone who's more, um, you know, uh, apologetic about or not apologetic, the opposite, more less critical of Israel, like more yeah. defensive about Israel. They're like, no, but you don't understand. And I'm like, bitch, you think I don't understand? <laughs> like we can disagree. I'm gonna call my mom right now. That's what I would yeah. say. Don't make me call my mom. Right. <laughs> don't make me call my commander from the army. Like, 
<laughs> it's, it's crazy. And we again, we can I can disagree with someone, yeah. even an American who wasn't, who's only visited on birthright or whatever, you right. know. But don't tell me I don't understand. Yeah. I don't have all this baggage not to understand. Yeah. But that really there were a couple times there there have been a couple of times where people have said that and I'm like, I I'll get mad. I'm like, no, no. Don't well, you dare. It's sort of a true believer mentality. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, when you talk to those people, cause their eyes turn to beach balls when you ask them questions and you're like, okay. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. I have a couple of fr- former classmates who are married now who yeah. like got married at like 2021, 20, um, which is weird. Uh, but one of them married this girl who super sweet and she lived in Israel for a few years when she was younger. And so we were like, oh, let's speak in Hebrew, you know? And then we obviously got to like talking about politics, which like, again, it was like a respectful discourse. And then at one point, I think we were talking about, well, like there's lost lives on both sides. And like, you know, clearly like we need to figure something, something like that. And she said to me like, so matter of fact, and like, so as if it was like, well, duh, well, you agree that Jews have like a, a, the life of a Jew is more valuable than the life of a non-Jew. And I was like, no. no. <laughs> and I had to end the conversation. I like slink, slunk away. Like I had to end the conversation. Cause I was like, well, that's, that's where our, where, where we fundamentally disagree. And that's yeah. where all of our other disagreements come from. Yeah. And it's just so religion sh- will teach you that everybody, you have to treat every life equally. Correct. Um, <laughs> I mean, people co-opt people co-opted yeah. unfortunately i hope you meet when I, while you're here i hope you meet there's this incredible comic named ramsey badawi his family is from the west bank oh cool yeah he's yeah. so funny too he's incredible and cool. like that would be it that would be a, my fascinating dream podcast is you guys just like oh, having a talk that would yeah. be great <laughs> i love that shit yeah i have a friend from school who lived in egypt for a few years Whoa. like during the arab spring and so we like we get along very well like we Whoa. talk about it yeah um yeah i always love Although there's sometimes where I'll meet a Muslim or a Palestinian and I'll say like, oh, I lived in Israel. Not in a way that that's like, and they'll get very reserved. They'll become very reserved and like, again, assume my politics. Yeah. And I'm I'm like, I'm telling them because I like unwittingly being like, well, but we agree, you know, like, like, listen, I have a nose ring and an NSYNC shirt. Like yeah. we're fine. Okay. Calm down. I fucking love this shirt. That's I just amazing. got it. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, should I do some vocal fry? Yeah. Do the um, one. <laughs> uh, so how do you make decisions in your life? Um, I often lead with my heart. Um, sometimes to a fault. Okay. Um, Go with that gut instinct. Trust yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, right. I'm becoming slowly, slowly but surely much better, excuse me, at um, thinking about the long term because yeah. I'll become very impatient. And I've quit so many things in my life up until this point. Yeah. You know, and not in a way that's like, oh, I'm a quitter. Because I feel like when people say that, it's actually like a, sometimes it's a brave thing to quit, you know? Yes. To be like, this is enough. I have to There's stop. There's a whole This American Life episode on quitting. Oh, You should check shit. it out. Because you know great. I love that NPR I know. We were life. talking about that NPR life. Yes. I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, right? Like, I left, I left the army early. Yeah. And I felt so bad about it. And I was, and then now I'm thinking like. But how old are you? 
23. You're 23. You're supposed to quit eight billion things right now you're supposed to try it's actually not quitting it's trying yeah it's trying different things and trying new things and then going well that doesn't work yeah you know like it gets harder to try the older you get Mm -hmm. so that's the point of your early 20s just try eight million things you should have (laughs) how many majors have you had in college i well so because i i took time off yeah so that's the thing is that i think if i had gone straight to college after high school or after my gap year i probably would have failed out or like quit or just not appreciated why I was there. Yeah. And now that I'm there and not finishing until I'm like 25 earliest, um, I'm like, I'm so glad. I wish I hadn't taken the time off to do what I did, but like, I'm hmm. s- well, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I've accepted that that's what I bet happened, you write but, some bomb essays when they're like, tell us about your personal experience. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't worried about getting into college. <laughs> like after. Yeah. My friend was like, you could apply to Harvard. I'm like, I could. But why would I like yeah, even if I got in, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really wanted to go to Emerson. OK, I got in. But I was like, this is again too expensive and who cares where you, I everything was in perspective for me yeah because when you're in seven when you're in 11th or 12th grade you're like I have to I mean at least where I went to school which is like yeah. a competitive competitive Jewish high school in this community where it oh matters it, it's all status and the Can rabbi's do- daughter and all that bullshit i love it can you direct a documentary about this community it sounds fascinating (laughs) it's true it's any like you could literally go to any like small jewish community and that's that's yeah life yeah i could i mean (laughs) maybe not mine because that might be a little well whatever maybe (laughs) that's not a bad idea um yeah i'm oh my god it's so funny because people because i still live in my hometown because i'm in school and also i don't go i'm not in the main campus and I'm like, I wouldn't, I don't want to live with a bunch of 19, 20 year olds. Not that I'm so much older, but I'm older enough to be like, yeah. And I was, you know, and I, <laughs> this is all such tangent, but I, I saw this, I was in Panera, Panera bread. Okay. They should just call it Panina bread. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in line and the woman that worked there was like, just so you guys know, it's going to take like 25 to 30 minutes to make our food. Cause like there's a, a really big rush. And I, there were like three 19 year old girls in front of me who like were in a local, one of the local campuses. And they were like, this is was literally all I wanted. Like they're so upset because they can't get Panera in time. (laughs) They were literally like, we have a a chap sorority chapter meeting and we don't have time. Girl, go to Subway. That's life. (laughs) I was so, I was like, I hate these girls. And then I was like, why am I so bothered by them? And I was like, well, you know, Sometimes you see yourself, you're like, oh, I was like that when I was yeah. 19. And then I was like, well, I was, but also I was in the Israeli army. So I don't yeah. know if I was exactly like that, but. It could be, you know, I had to go through like the grief of my own teenage years and my own childhood. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people annoy me because they're having the experience I didn't get to have. Mm. And I'm like, well, I want to have that. It's jealousy. I want to mm, have my yeah. big concern to be like, I just wanted a bread ball. And <laughs> by the way, it's Panera. They're not eating carbs. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they got salads. Of course they got salads. Uh, like, go get a salad anywhere. Like, you know what I mean? It's a, but you know, it's this whole thing of like, sometimes I get frustrated and then I try to think like, oh, I'm so grateful I got to see somebody have that 
experience yeah. that concern you know mm-hmm. what i mean i'm i'm sad that it ruins their moment but like at the same time like what a beautiful thing to be bothered by and what a great yeah. place that we live where that's this lady's chief concern certainly um i will and say i have those moments in different ways yeah it's what i've noticed I, uh, yeah that reminds me because like i am young i'm so young and i'm aware like high key aware of that yeah not in a way that i'm like um stupid but i like i try to remind myself when i make mistakes and when i started doing comedy especially especially oh stop with the girl drink some water when you started doing comedy and i'm talking and and now you know just doing great here we go (laughs) there we go drink some water girl um I started doing comedy and I was like funny, I guess. And like, I had lost a bunch of weight. Like I'd lost the depression weight. Oh, fun. And yes. Maybe a skinny. Yes. Everyone's skinny <laughs> I when they're bad. I could totally go to the gym twice a week. Like that's, I have the energy for that. Like, yeah. hmm, no, not anymore. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I'm really, I'm really fine with it. But, um, but I would like, I would, I was getting hit on like regularly by other comedians. Yeah. And which at first feels great. And then it's like, what? And then you're like, I'm just, I was just my phone full of wieners. I didn't want it to be full of. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) And like, I was just so confused also because like I had such low self-esteem, even though I was like happy I was doing comedy. I was like, I don't have low self-esteem, you know, I'm doing comedy, whatever, but I did and it manifests differently. And, but it really became uncomfortable, especially because like I was tempted too much. And sometimes I like, indulged in that temp- temptation and it was just like I want to stop doing this and I said to an older woman in, in the scene who's like very well established who I really looked up to hey like I'm really having this problem and like I don't know what to do about it and she was like well I don't get hit on I never get hit on so like take it as a compliment blah 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 I know and I was like <sighs> and I took it to heart I felt really bad because I was young and and didn't and didn't talk to the right woman and yeah felt bad you know especially because this is someone i look up to and it really hurt me and i was like shit i gotta deal with it on my own you know i gotta buck up or whatever and like to an extent you do have to buck up but like just to she just totally invalidated how i was like my experience and i realized i mean she was she she doesn't she doesn't get hit on. She's also older and more confident. But when she was my age, she didn't get hit on either. And like I'm like, that was weird jealousy. That might not be true either. I think, okay. Tell Here's me from, from your perspective. Oh my gosh. I have had so when I was in my twenties, I was basically in two relationships. That was it. Mm -hmm. And so when I hit my thirties, I kind of had to like get a lot of experience out of my, like out of my system. Mm -hmm. And part of that was starting to do stand up, And part of that, that sort of like sexual revolution sort of like overlapped into like my early stand up days. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm, you met my boyfriend, he is a comedian and there's a lot of people that will tell you. And it's so, it's so complicated Mm -hmm. for our first off. If you're listening to this and you're not a comic comics, I'll be fucking each other. This is just it. Mm -hmm. Like this is just, and they all shame. And we do this thing where we all be fucking each other and we all shame each other in different ways for Mm -hmm. it. And it's a very 
fascinating thing. So women, especially very, some very, very good comics that will, you know, I respect, like, Mm -hmm. will say to you, like, don't ever fuck the comics. And there's two reasons for this. One to them, once you were a sexual being, were devalued in in their mind, mm-hmm. whether consciously or unconsciously. Um, part of it is uh, that they're just drama and they're bad and they're probably not good at sex. And it, like all of it's just like, you know what I mean? They get weird and you get weird. And everybody gets weird. And you know, you're in your work environment. Mm-hmm. And then there's, but then there was like one of my comedy mentors. He sat me down one day and I, I just said to him off and I was like, yeah, da, da, da. And he said, you know, we're about to be all the men, you know, every yeah. single one of us is about to be all the men, yeah. you know, and all the men you have time for. So you're going to fuck a comic. The trick is, is fuck the right comics. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have, if you want to have, you know, just a sexual relationship, then you find somebody who's very discreet who you're friends yeah. with. And like, if you want to be in a relationship be prepared to be in a relationship. One of the weirdest things that happened was going into my relationship, like career wise, we were in different places Mm -hmm. and I suddenly felt my, I suddenly felt my success be exactly equal to his, Mm -hmm. which was interesting because I had like it, it, people started to basically kind of perceive us as the same amount of, Mm -hmm. same amount of um, successful, but it where his success level was, which is still pretty great. He has like a lot of great things going on, but it was an interesting move because mm-hmm. to watch people sort of conceptualize like, well, Anna's doing great, but like, you know what I mean? And maybe that's just the thing in my it's head. I don't know. Well, and now I'm thinking about, cause I know, I know a, a couple where the man, the man was, has been doing comedy for like, 10 years yeah and the girlfriend has been doing comedy for two and a half three years Uh and she's now on his level to an extent you know what i after i said that i realized that was a fear i thought was true but i think it was just a fear yeah yeah anyway that's a side note we all get different things out of this podcast oh yeah but that's been my experience yeah you don't Mm -hmm. have to feel any shame yeah you don't have to like you don't, I've definitely made some mistakes and they've all become roast jokes, which is great. Um, <laughs> uh, but you don't, you don't have to be ashamed of any yeah. of that because like at one point in my life, I, it started out, I didn't know he was married, but then he was married and then I just like kept continuing. Anyway, mm, it was fine. Yeah, but the thing that happened was, is like, I remember going to my sponsor and being like this thing. And she was so funny. She said, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 32. And she said, well, how, well, that means you were born in what, 1982, 1983? I was like, yeah, 1980, 1982. And she said, I was fucking men who were married before you were out of diapers <laughs> <laughs> with time in the program. That's great. Calm down. Yeah. If it causes you pain, don't do it anymore. If it doesn't, you have nothing to be ashamed of because you know why? You're not breaking a promise. He is. Mm. And that was just like my awakening of like, we take on as socially, we take on all the shame Mm -hmm. and you don't have to take on all that shame. Mm, You really don't. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. It doesn't mean it's a behavior that you want to do. Yeah. No, I know. And I, I personally have had to deal with that and I've 
come to accept and I don't feel shame about it. Mm-hmm. But there's there are people, there are men who see me as a mm, I like got between two friends and that oh. I'm the home wrecker. And it's like, well, okay, you can think that, but like we're all me- active, you know, we yeah. all made choices. My everyone's responsible for like yeah, the friend had just as much just as much of a choice to be involved. If it was a three-way thing, your 33% was this. Yeah. And you and it sounds like just talking to you that you own you own your side of the street and that is the most important part. The rest of the world doesn't have to look at it that way. Yeah. Well, and that that's the traditional view and that's why I was upset about it for a long time is yeah. that like oh, well the 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 girl what is it like hose bros before hose, yeah. you know? And I'm like, well, uh you did the opposite because I was in it, you know, you were whatever. And, uh, yeah. And of course, because I can't, I couldn't keep a secret. Like people knew about it and it caused like all this other shit. Oh God. But yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's something that I have to be nicer to myself about, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Honestly, it's like, it's it's just one of those things of like you okay you know better you do better mm-hmm. no those are things you don't want to do yeah and you don't have to do it if you if you don't want to yeah and that's really it I mean and you have your own program stuff and that'll mm-hmm. all work itself you know work itself out in that way but yeah my experience has been like don't beat up on yourself you're fine yeah. all those guys are like every like if and when you move I mean, to L A you'll right. have guy yeah choose the right comedian and you know you will when you're sitting at coffee with a bunch of lady comedians and somebody will be like yo that guy's dick game is good and everybody will be like you too and then you like high five you know what i mean like that's that's a different like it turns into this like whole other thing where like everybody will kind of like just be cool like it we all know because we're all adults right and it might be like once you're out of a smaller scene yeah yep yep. every it won't fucking matter yeah it just won't fucking matter you know what i mean and then you'll you'll have you'll have i mean again so many experiences yeah it's fine it's it is totally fine it's totally fine yeah this this too shall pass i thought i was never gonna get out of the israel stuff i thought it was always gonna be like my uh brand you know i was like i was branded you know not like and now i mean i'm through almost three years out and like it will be a not a blip but and it'll be a part of my life but like five years from now it'll only be one part of my life and like that's i have to remember that it's still so close like it's still i'm still processing i'm not not done processing which is why i don't still know i'm still not ready to tell jokes about it yeah i've been writing about it um which has been really cathartic nice and there's funny parts in it but it's not all funny um and that's been really great um we'll see where that's gonna go but yeah um i feel like we haven't answered any questions we're getting there okay what's your level of honesty in your life with myself or with uh, others both okay well that was one thing that i really well so i really realized and wanted to work on like i was not being honest with myself i was like we're in love and i'm here and i'm and i want to be here and i'm here for the right reasons and 
everything's fine. And like, so in the army, like I was crying all the time over little things, partially because I was depressed, but also because like when you're lying to yourself like that, it takes a toll and it comes out in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not really crying because my commander is mad at me. I'm crying because I don't want to be here. Yeah. And uh, so when I got back, I was like, well, when I got back, I was like, I'm going to be brutally honest with myself. Yeah. No need for the brutality. No need. (laughs) Lovingly honest with myself, um, which is, yeah, that's the compassion for myself and the accepting um, with honesty not just lying to myself and with others um, with my friends I have to be honest with them because I want them to be honest with me and some of them the ones that are really my good friends appreciate it you know like I don't want to be friends with anyone who just wants me to lie lie to them yeah Um, and you're going to find a lot of comedians that do not like real friends will tell you when you're fucking up mm-hmm. and they'll tell you in a way that's kind. Yeah. Cause they love you. Yeah. And, um, there are some people that don't want to be told, you yeah. know, and those are, or there are some people that just want to like dump their shit on you. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And I have a few friends. I have a dear friend from high school whom I love, but who I can't be super close with anymore because yeah. he takes advantage of people and I've told him that and he does it, accept it and he continues to do it. And I, I'm like, I love you, but I can't see you. I can't be, yeah, we can't, we can't be close like we were. Yeah. And that, that hurt. That's really, that hurts me sometimes when I think about that particular friend, but it's, it's, it's for me more. I mean, it's yeah. for them too. I mean, it's, it's also, um, you know, I want to, what's the word? Like downsize my friends yeah. in terms of my core people. I don't have to be beloved by everyone, yeah. which is a self-esteem thing. Yeah. For me, I just want people that I really can trust and who can trust me and who I can be honest with and can be honest with me. Yeah. So that's important. But, you know, I'm like, that's why you need from other people too because I'll be like, I don't know, am I doing the right thing or like am I – being an asshole or am I a slut, you know? And they're like, even if you are, why is that a bad thing? You know, like my, yeah. my best friend was like, one of my best friends was like, but you know, I aspire to like your level or like whatever. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, everybody needs a friend who's been yeah. like, calm down. Exactly. Have a good time. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it, we get so hard on ourselves, but you're, yeah, it's just that, it's that trauma screaming. Mm, just be yeah. like, hey, shut up. Yeah. Give me like five minutes. All right. Like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is one thing about yourself? Um, what's the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself? Um, <laughs> well, so I've always been like um, an outwardly confident person. Yeah. Like loud. And it's so funny because like in high school, I look back and people are like, oh, it makes so much sense. Like you're a comedian. Yeah. You were always funny. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. Like people thought I was obnoxious. And then I was like, oh, girls aren't class clowns girls are annoying <laughs> that's true um as an annoying girl i totally understand right yeah. exactly mm-hmm. um but <laughs> but um what was the question what's the most surprising <laughs> thing you've learned oh about yeah yourself? yeah so we're both still waking up one yes, cup of coffee and we're yes. killing it so during my program 
or right after my program, I did like aftercare, including uh-huh. seeing a trauma therapist, like one on one. Kill it. And yeah, it was an interesting experience. Um, and at one point, he was like, "You seem like you have a lot of like that. You have low self esteem." And I was like, "What are you talking about? No, I don't." Which, if I, you're a comedian. If right. you don't, that's insane. Right. <laughs> and if I knew that, if I, if you know you have low self esteem, yeah. you can like work on it better. Yeah. Whereas if I'm like, you know, I mean, and, and that's part of it too. Where like, my word from childhood. I mean, I was taught that you have to be nice and polite and happy and confident to, to like outwardly to like adults because if you're yeah. sullen or rude, then it's as if the rabbi was rude. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just like really good at seeming like I'm fine. And then I'll tell people like, Oh, I'm, I have bipolar and PTSD or like, you know, I'm depressed or whatever. Yeah. And people will say to me, Oh, you never seemed like you, you seem fine. Like you seem like you're not dealing with that. And I told that to my mom and she was like, yeah, people say that to me all the time. They don't understand that I deal with that. I, that I have depression that I take things and then I go to a therapist. They don't get that. Yeah. Cause like we're in the, we're in the eye of, of, of people. People see us and we have to be nice and cordial and confident. Um, so he told me that and yeah, and that was really surprising for me. And I've, now that I know that that's where a lot of my things come from and a lot of what a lot of the esteem that I give myself is from guys, Mm -hmm. which is part of the, you know, the the 12 steps that I, that I work. Um, which is interesting because I feel like for a lot of other 12 step people, they're like, Oh, (laughs) sex and love, whatever. But I'm like, I have so many friends in it. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I know, I know people who go to AA and I've been to a few meetings. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't need it in the same way that an alcoholic would, I think, but it's so helpful. I mean, it's the camaraderie, like somebody was saying, was obsessing about this guy and in this meeting, she was talking about it and she was saying like, I would tell my friends about this like fantasy that I had about this guy that was like not sense like nonsensical and my friends would be like well why would you think that though like that's crazy and then she would go to these meetings and they and everyone in the meeting would be like oh yeah i i get that yeah i have that like i deal with that yeah and that was a big thing for me because i was like i felt like none of my friends deal with this in the same way that i do i mean people have like obsessive things sometimes but it's not it's yeah yeah like my oh god i have two of my best friends one of them lives away so when she comes home we like the three of us like gab and a lot of times it's just like talking about guys yeah um and i have had to stop participating in that part of the conversation because i have so many hang-ups about like like they'll tell stories about a guy they they like hooked up whether dated or whatever and it'll just like give me flashbacks to like a shitty thing that i did with a guy yeah because they're because (laughs) <laughs> they haven't had as many experiences because I was in like this serious relationship. Right. Um, and so they'll like say to me things like this and I'll be like, oh, that's just like whoever, you know. Yeah. That's just like my relationship with Alex. That wasn't a person that I dated, but. Yeah, just yeah. any old Alex. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that was, again, that was very surprising for me. And then I was like, 
dealing with, well, what are the roots? Like, what, how do I, what do I do to convince myself that I don't have low self-esteem? Comedy and men. Mm. And then I think about all the other great things that I do and that I'm good at and like people like me, you know, like I'm not, I don't need, I don't need that. Like I'm a good student and I'm hardworking and I got this, I I worked at NPR and they loved me and they were like, if you ever want to apply for a job here when you're done, like that's, and that, that's a big deal, you know? And I, I shove it aside because the guy is into me. (laughs) Yeah. That's the most. Yeah. So the comedy, comedy's great. (laughs) Well, I mean, the truth is, is if comedy went away and if, no guy ever talked to you ever again. You were worthy and you were lovable. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, that's the thing that's mm-hmm. the yeah. core of it is you are. Completely, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Like no matter what you were inherently worthy and lovable and no matter and, and valuable and yeah. all of the other things, Yeah, you know, um, I've been told on multiple occasions, I've had both sponsors and therapists, have me do self affirmations, mm, which yeah. feels like the stupidest thing in the world, but it totally works. Yeah. I, I have to get back into doing that. Cause yeah, because you have to you have to rewire your brain. When your brain is screaming negative things at you all the time, you have to rewire your brain to say like, no, I'm inherently worthy and lovable and I don't need to. Because there is, I remember there was a moment where I was like, you know what? There are certain types of people in my life. There are certain types of like um, attractions that I have. And there's like one archetype that's very much like my mom, which is usually like kind of a charismatic alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And what I, I can do now is I can recognize that and go, no. Yeah. Like that looks amazing. Like chili fries always look amazing, but they're mm-hmm. going to make me shit myself the next day. <laughs> so it's like that same thing of like, mm, I mean, I love chili fries. Mm-hmm. But no, but no. Yeah. In terms of relationships with those, with that person. Yeah. Or even just chasing those people. Cause those people don't necessarily even want me to be in a relationship with them. They want me to know, they want to know that I want to be in a relationship with them. Yeah. And that is like a whole crazy cycle. And as a person with a addiction, I can't, I can't even, I, I can't, even though like the addiction is a different, you know, different substance, my, it really doesn't care what substance I put in there. Mm-hmm, yeah. It really gives no shits. Yeah. So if yeah. it's the, the attention or the, you know, adoration of like a person like that, mm-hmm. I'll completely obsess on that and yeah. fix, try to fix, manage and control my way into it. Yeah. And, um, but it, t- it takes time yeah. too. It yeah. takes time. It's complicated. You got to be in the world. Yeah. I mean, right now, I've made a pact with myself. I'm, like, going for a record. Okay. To see how long I can go without, like, dating anybody. Good for you. Yeah. I'm how like, freeing is that? It's, it is. It really is. You have so and much like, time on your hands. I know. <laughs> and I'm tempted all the time. Yeah. Constantly. And then I go home and I, like masturbate and i'm like cool i don't feel that way anymore <laughs> like yeah, exactly. i'm not as tattooed. yeah you I'm like, to like you can think on it but go home and do that and you'll feel better afterwards exactly and i do i oh i'm like all right cool i did that instead and it didn't it, it was, it's fine yeah yeah no uh what's the word no like casualties <laughs> exactly yeah exactly what is one thing about yourself that you would like to change so we were talking about the self-talk. Yeah. And I was going to say, and I'll say no, but that especially now because I'm visiting LA. Yeah. 
when I am alone and I get into those negative thoughts, I will literally out loud talk to myself and be like, yeah, you stupid idiot. No, no well, it. so yeah. that's right. So, and it's a, it's a bad habit. Yeah. Um, and so now, and I'm working on it and now when I start to do, I'll literally start to say all those mean things and then I'll like approach it. Now I approach it as if like a bully was saying those mean things about me, which is that if a, not that I get bullied anymore, but like theoretically if somebody was like being unnecessarily like, yeah, like ridiculously mean to me, like in a weird kind of way, I'd be like, why are you saying that? You know? And like, not, yeah, not in a, you know, I'm not going to like feed into it be like, well, you're too. I'm like interesting that you feel that way. Like, okay. I don't, I don't feel that way about you. You know, I don't, yeah. I mean, it sucks that you have this hang up about me, you know? So when I say these like rude things about myself, I'm like, why am I, why am I saying this to my, like, why would you say that about yeah. yourself? Also allowed. Uh, you know, and I think about like if someone said that about my friend or, you know, yeah. thing like that. And so that is something that I'm working on. I would like to change. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. How do you deal with fear and anxiety? Um, I try to, if I'm really feeling it, like I try not to be alone. And even if I'm alone, like I try to call my mom or my friends or something like that. And then if that's not available, I usually write, I write in, in a diary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a, <laughs> I have a joke notebook and a feelings notebook. Those are my two and I separate them. Smart. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good way of, for me that is writing a lot. And sometimes it's so silly. Cause sometimes I'm like, oh, my friends don't want to hear me complaining. Whereas if my friend called me up and was like, hey, I'm dealing with this, I'd be like so complimented that they chose yes. to call me. Yes. And I have to remind myself of that because I'm like, oh, yeah, why don't I call this person? They would totally like to hear from me and, and be there for me. Yeah. So. Amazing. Yeah. What is your experience of forgiveness? Self or others or both? Both. Okay. Well, oh, so I feel like I need, if I did something wrong and I know I did something wrong, this is probably for others, but also for myself, I guess. I don't think we can unravel the two because I can't forgive others until I forgive myself. Yes. So yeah. that's, and that's what it is, is that if I did something wrong and I know I did something wrong, I can't, I can't ask for forgiveness until I sit with it and deal with it. Yeah. Like people who, cause when someone does me wrong and they immediately apologize or oh, like, sorry. yeah, I'm like, and if, and it, if it was really something that I, I'm really upset about, I'm like, no, no, we have to, I'm not going to forgive you for a while. And like, we need to not talk to each other. Cause yeah. I really need to, I need to deal with it and you need to take some time to feel bad. <laughs> not that I'm like, not that I'm like, you should, we're never going to talk and we're never going to, Con, you know reconcile yeah. but I'm not ready to forgive you you know and that's and so for me if I do and if I'm on the other end where I'm the perpetrator I don't know I if I 
I, I can't, it doesn't feel right to me to immediately, I'll, I'll immediately apologize. Yeah. But I don't expect them to immediately forgive me, you know? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I'll say like, listen, I am sorry, but I understand like that you're not, that you're not still not happy with me. So all I can do is say sorry right now and let's reconvene or whatever, you yeah. know what I mean? And it, sometimes it feels still it feels phony to them you know because it's again it's like oh you're just saying sorry but i'm i i don't know i don't know how to communicate like i'm sorry but i also understand that you're not forget that you're not going to forgive me for a while have you made amends yet have you hit that one not really okay um we'll skip that question because amends because the amends thing is like i'm sorry how can i make it right mm. and then doing that yeah, I I guess, you know, sometimes, I don't know, I, I have trouble knowing who to, who to apologize to. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about the steps is you'll know, because mm-hmm. there's a list. Right, that's It becomes true. very concrete. Yeah. And then once you get past that part, you'll get into that 10th step. And when in your 10th step, you take like, a daily inventory and you'll know you get into the practice of knowing pretty quickly, like when you need to make a sort of like a spot amends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you're like, Hey buddy. Yeah. Like fucked up. Noah fucked up. Yeah. How can I make it right? Yeah. I know there are some people who like, I'll see them and they avoid eye contact. And like, if I spoke to them, it would only cause anger for them. Like they would. Yeah. Would injure them or others. And sometimes the, the object or the person that you owe the amends to, like there's this thing called living amends where Mm -hmm. you can like, you cause contacting them and making like a verbal amends would be causing them harm. Mm -hmm. So you just live differently. You do an Mm -hmm. action on a daily basis that affirms the amends to that person. Okay. Interesting either on a daily idea. or monthly or you know like that they amends. know that you're doing or or just no in terms of they don't know it spiritual it's a spiritual practice that's a good idea yeah it's like um with my my mom who passed away mm-hmm. so like people who die that's like yeah. how do you make amends to those people yeah well for years i donated money to the salvation army until i found out they were a terrible homophobic <laughs> com- uh, you know yeah. organization and then it turned into planned parenthood and like so those are those are ways that you get like let's say you steal from an institution mm-hmm. you can't go into that you can't go to that store and be like i stole thousands of dollars from you mm-hmm. they will arrest, arrest you, you. Yeah. that's you are in the category of others right. so what they do what you do is you donate money or you volunteer time mm-hmm. or you i heard one speaker say that he stole so much from kmart that his sponsor made him, he was basically like, okay, I don't have any money to like pay for, you know, amends or whatever. And he said, great. Then for the next two years, anytime you have to buy something, if it is possible for you to purchase it at Kmart, Mm. you have to buy it at Kmart. And he did that. And he Mm. was like, I got so fucking tired of shit from Kmart. (laughs) Like, but it was like anything from like groceries to clothes. Like if you, if you can buy it, you have to go to Kmart first. And so, um, 
So there are ways like with your sponsor, they'll yeah. figure that out like safe ways. And, you know, I'm sure like the amends process, like in a sex and love addiction fellowship is probably very concrete because they have like, just, like yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't want to engage in those like low, you know, uh, what do they call them? It's like top shelf behaviors and like, uh, bottom line, bottom yeah. line behaviors. You don't want to yeah. find yourself in that kind of situation. Right. So That's they'll, they'll walk you through it. That's like the whole yeah. point is you don't have to know right now. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I should find a sponsor. (laughs) Yeah. Get it, girl. Get that sponsor. It'll change everything. It'll really change everything. Um, Everybody could use a round through the steps for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Until they get fucked up people's anonymous, which will literally have everybody in it. Like it's a good, it's a good design for living. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. How do you maintain your, like your balance on a day to day basis? Now that balance is such an important thing. Yeah, um, I had I had a mantra for a while, which I should get back to. Um, although now it's kind of it's more ingrained, which is um, blink, breathe, think. Ooh, and ooh, so, I like that one. Yes. What a gift to give this podcast. Yes, blink, breathe, please, think. Please feel free um, to use that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I'll I'll literally like my mind will just like start running, especially if I'm like in, in a social situation. Yeah, where later looking back on it, I'm like, oh, like if I'm anxious, for example, in a social situation or just like not triggered or something, I won't realize until afterwards. Often, yeah, mm-hmm. and I I have to just if I'm in a social situation, I want to just keep checking in um like hey you know how are we feeling like is this is this situation good for me like i and i like i would stay at mike's for example until late and then Even i would after you've gone up yeah and like why yeah why go would you home, do that to you know yourself? exactly because i was like <laughs> i want to be social and like hang out with people and whatever and you have friends for that right right <laughs> well and that's yeah exactly i mean i mean there's only one mic in where i at my oh, per night. yeah i get it yeah okay oh okay i get yeah yeah so yeah and then we would all like hang out and talk about comedy or just shoot the shit and but I don't need to stay for the whole thing. You no. can stick around, say hi, and then go home so that you can be up in the morning. Or you could do that once in a while. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I even like, and I like set a bed, like I set an alarm like two hours before I should be in bed. Yeah. So that I have to leave in the next 30 minutes, depending on how, like I want to be home with an hour before I should be asleep at least. Yeah. So I just, I set a reminder on my phone. Hey, time to go home or like 15 minutes and then you got to go. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah. And just keep, I just have to keep like the mantra and just reminding myself, like, how are we feeling? And should, is, are you in the right place? Should you go home? Should you, and oftentimes I'll, yeah, like, um, I was at a mic after, after, after a mic and I was hanging out with people and then suddenly everyone left and I was like left alone with this guy who, who I'm friends with, um, but who, I like have a bit of a crush on. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, I don't want to yeah. do anything about that. And I stuck around for a few minutes and then I was like, you know what? I gotta go. Like, this isn't, this isn't good for us to talk one-on-one for now, right now, you know? 
And I was so proud of myself yeah. that I left. I was like, hey, I should go home, you know? And he was fine and it was like all good because I don't, I don't think there's anything there, but I was like, if I stay, it's going to be shitty. It's yeah. not going to be good. So yeah, just like rem- listening to my body and, and yeah. what's right. What's your relationship to your higher power? Well, I think for me, I mean, and I'm still kind of working on that one, but it's um, my voice of reason. Okay. You know, again, it's, it's kind of that check-in of like, what would the best version of myself do and what would make that version, like what would make that version proud? Yeah. Like I was going somewhere, it was like a 40 minute drive. And I, the whole time I was like, I should turn around. I shouldn't go to this. I'll be sad if I go to this cause I'll see my ex and it'll be shitty. And then I went and I was like, I feel shitty. This, I knew this was going to happen and I still went and I still felt shitty. And I told my therapist and she was like, listen to that voice. Yeah. Listen to that. And it's, that's the higher power, really. And uh, yeah. you know more about it than I do, but. Hardly. <laughs> I know nothing. That's the, that's the, the beautiful thing is the more time you have, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. But you get comfortable with the not knowing. Mm. I don't really need to know much about my higher power. Yeah. I just need to try to tap into it. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is. Yeah. So. What is it? Can I ask? What is it for you? I don't even know. It's sort of like. I know that I've had communication with my higher power. Mm-hmm. I know that my higher power has come to me in dark times and been like, it's going to be all right. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Yeah. I know what that feeling is. Yeah. Um, I know that it's a thing that supports me through life on life's terms, but mm-hmm. isn't necessarily like one particular dogma or thing. And I, I try to like, you know, dabble in different, like sometimes I'll read like prayers or like, you know, pieces of, you know, pieces of this pieces of that. I like to kind of like kind of garage sale my way Mm -hmm. through sort of a spiritual experience. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've always actually really liked Jewish prayer. Like I, I mean, I grew up. You guys kill it in the prayer game. Kill it. Well, I see a Reiki healer who's like, yeah, like just like an old Jewish guy and he's the best. (laughs) Yeah. It is very meditative, even though there's a lot of words. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But since I've learned Hebrew, there's a lot of words that I, there's a lot of phrases and words that I'm like, I have qualms about. Interesting. Okay. Cause I understand it. Yeah. And, and also the prayer, the access to Jewish prayer in my town is like very muddled with, family issues you know i can't go to my synagogue because it's a lot of stress for me like i didn't go to i didn't even go to high holidays this year with my mother's permission yeah and she was fine with it my extent i had a couple of relatives who were like really rude to me about it well yeah but i was like this i I have to yeah and then if i go to another synagogue it's like well why aren't you going to your mother's so but i try to do things on my own on my yeah. own time, I read a lot of really great t- Jewish te- Jewish books and texts. Yeah, I'll do a quick plug. Uh, as oh. a Dr- As a Driven Leaf is a really good fictional book. Okay, and it's about this rabbi from like the like rabbinic era of like okay, se- like seventy CE basically. Yeah. And he's mentioned a few times in the like text in the Talmud, like the texts of 
the rabbis where they're conversing basically. Mm -hmm. And he's mentioned in, in basically as a heretic, as someone who like lost faith. And so this is a fictionalized story about his life. Okay. And where he's like grappling with faith and like, um, and mixing, you know, the secular sciences with his Jewish study. Love it. And it's so good. Yeah. It's, it's totally applicable. And I'm like, non-Jewish people should read it because it really, it opens up like the relationship that like the Judaism that we have today yes. is based on that time. Oh. Yeah. Cause it's rabbinic Judaism, which okay. is all like laws and interpretations of text. Okay. Whereas Christianity is basically another is it started as just like another form of Judaism. Right. It's just like, here we go. Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah. And then the rabbis were like, no, that's not, they were like, no, no, you guys are the heretics. Like you are not Jewish. Damn rabbis just judging. I know. What if everybody had just, if they had just not classified it as a different thing? Yeah. I mean, that's still happening. You know, there's very religious people who are like, I'm not Jewish. I'm not even Jewish. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's that's the thing is like, when are you ever enough of one thing? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is like, fucking calm down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody calm down. Right. Um, oh, that's a beautiful thing. You have your, I think no matter what, you know what I love about your mom <laughs> having the like, I, I don't think you can believe in a higher power and not trust that that higher power has something that other people's higher power is taking care of them. You know what I mean? To be able to be like, no, you don't have to do it my way. You can do it mm -hmm. your way. Yeah. You can find your way to it. Yeah. I mean, she, she grew up in a very, in like communist Jewish uh, household, like Whoa. socialist Jewish. Like Whoa. they're very involved in like the workman's, like uh, yeah. workman circle and like, local politics on a like very you know micro level and but they're not religious at all like it's communism and yeah. um and so so although that's a dirty word but that's what it is yeah and she became more religious because she went to like a high school that was like she was like one of two jews and the other jew was her cousin ah. um and she was like not invited to parties and like Aww. girls would make fun of her and she was like left out of a bunch of things and so like her jewish youth group was really important to her and like that became a focal point for her from a young age wow. of like being involved in these things. And for me, it's like the opposite because I, yeah. it's so saturated for me. Yeah. And that it's so ingrained in me that I need to es escape. Yeah. And she gets that, you know, and she wishes that I would marry a Jewish person, but you're a comedian. She the still gets it. Really high. I, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's so, it's, it really, it's so boring to me, honestly. Really? And, and, as much as it would be weird to bring a non-Jewish person in, I think they would be, I think it would be more, it would be more stressful for me to bring a Jewish person in because they know the expectations, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. My brother's um, engaged to a lovely Jewish woman who was also in, in our Jewish youth group. Like, cute. I know, it's very cute. She's from, she's from the Valley. Fun. So they never like met, but they like know a bunch of mutual friends. Yay. And we love her. And she gets the that world yeah of like where we're from and she like she like has such she like loves that 
she's marrying to a rabbi's family, obviously. Not that it's yeah. exploitative at all. Like, no. But I don't want that. You yeah, know, you don't have to. Yeah. It's a bit, you've got time. Plus, whoever I marry, if I have kids, they're going to be Jewish no matter what. Whereas my brother, he's like, I have to, I, it's important to me that my uh, kids are Jewish because the woman, it's a, ma- it's a matriarchal thing. descent. Yeah. I think, yeah. Aww. What's one thing you want to give away on this podcast? This is a last question, by the way. We made it. We did it. We did it. We did it. Um, to other? Yeah. Like, what's one thing you would want to tell somebody a lot like you? Mm. Be compassionate to yourself. Okay. Yeah. Actually, when I was in the the program over the summer, <laughs> so summer camp, because so on our la- everybody's last day, we would she would get like a little rock, which had a word on it. Yeah. And we would... And she would like present it and then we would pass around and like talk about like how the, that person was like, that word applies to them and just your relationship to that person. And the word I got was compassion. Yeah. And she was like, because you are very compassionate to others, the way that you've spoken to other people about their issues and their, their hangups, you have such empathy, but not for yourself. Yeah. So I keep that in my car. Like I taped it to my, oh, I hope I didn't. Oh, okay. What? No, because I totaled my car. So I Do hope. Do you still have it? I don't know. <gasps> we'll get you another one. Yeah, I'll, I'll get another one. You have to get another okay. one. Yeah. Call the, call them. Yeah. Like, hey, I need another one. Do you still rock. have that you rock? have one? Yeah. Uh, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Where do people find you? Um, Twitter and Instagram at Real Panina. At real panina, and you'll spell it, I assume, in the podcast. So yeah, we'll we'll put it. You spell it now. Give them a spell. P e n i n a. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And uh, panina, if nobody's told you this today, oh, you can find me at Anna V is Fun on Twitter and Instagram. I sent out a lot of emails yesterday where I left the S out of Anna V is Fun for oh, booking. No. So I'm feeling fun right mm, now. A nice. little bit of. I'm disorganized um, at Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at Anna and I have another podcast called the brew haha podcast and there might be a third coming out, but yeah, there is going to be a third coming out. Mm. I got too many podcasts anyway. Um, so pay attention for network. that. I right. I'm a one woman network. I'm a one woman <laughs> network on a network. It's great. Um, check out all of the podcasts on unpops. They're all amazing. Um, and Panina, if nobody's told you this today, I love you. I love you too. And if you're listening to this today and nobody's told you this today, we love you. Okay, bye.